listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome to our fourth House Hacking Mastermind. So I've got my regular co-host here, Ben Einspar. Ben, what's new, man? Oh, not too much. Just uh, looking forward to this fourth recording of the House Hack and House Hack Masterminds and what it what it turns out to be. Me too. Looking forward to it. And of course, I get Jeff White. Jeff, how are you, man? Doing well. Just went on a hot air balloon ride. No, really? <laughs> was that for uh, like scanning out tiger? No, no tigers were on this one. Uh, it was just a late birthday gift from uh, my lady, and uh, wonderful experience. If you guys have never done it, it's awesome. Dude, so yeah. I did that once like seven years ago. Yeah. I loved it, but scared the crap yeah, out of me. Like I, I'm <laughs> like just being floating up there, dude, it's eerie. Yeah, because you go like slow and it's not like a big jump like an yeah. airplane. Just and you goes, have zero control. Oh, yeah, it's just the wind. You don't know yeah. where you're going. And then I don't know where you're gonna land. That was kind of crazy too. Like we almost hit a bunch of trees. Um but it's fun. You went to a professional, right? Yeah, I didn't do it now. They let me push the little blowtorch yeah. thing on the top. So there's no turning back once you start going up. <laughs> there's absolutely no turning back. You're like, oh, let's go back down. Kind of like skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got two guests on here who are both uh, very new first time house hackers. So just going in alphabetical order. The first one is Justin Bourne. Justin's 28 years old. He's been looking into real estate investing since college, and he finally put those dreams in action in 2019 by budgeting, paying off some debt, and beginning to save for the first house purchase. Nothing exciting, but all the right stuff. And he learned about house hacking in late 2019, and he pulled the trigger on his first house hack here in October. So about, I think he closed like, what, five weeks ago, Justin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think October 19th was closing date. Yeah. So man, glad to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Um, I'm actually not in my house right now because I'm getting a new roof. All right, so that's that's a good excuse. Was this? Uh, and I know the story of it, but this is all. This uh, tell us about tell us about your house deck real quickly, so that way yeah, you can absolutely. tell us about uh, what you got and the situation that you're on. Yeah. Um, should I just start with like the actual house, or should I do the whole journey? No, just give us a quick uh, house overview right now, and then we'll get into that in a couple minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's the 2,400 square foot, four bed, three bath house. Um, we, I think we found it on Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, I looked at it once, looked at it again. And then after the second time looking at it, I was like, okay, I think I want to buy it. You know, it's all value in it. I felt, I felt like it was undervalued and, you know, compared to the comps in the area. Um, and we structured the deal. So that way they would have to confirm or deny whether they were going to accept it um, before it went through the weekend because you send things through the weekend in Denver and it just goes through the roof. Um, and yeah, they took it. So then we had to jump through quite a bit of hoops, um, you know, during closing. Um, yeah, you had some inspection items to negotiate there. Yeah, yeah, we did. So the roof was unrepairable. It needed to be replaced. And then some electrical stuff that was kind of minor. And we ended up foregoing the electrical um and the seller's agent actually tried to really play hardball with us on the roof but eventually we got what we wanted yeah you, you get you had a you had a tough listening agent on their side who was uh yeah yeah sorry right. <laughs> you got you the deal hardball done, man. With the wrong guy. yeah wow. exactly all right so our second guest is patrick dowdy 
Patrick is a project manager in the commercial construction industry and officially closed on his first house act November 6th. Um, has a post-occupancy agreement until the 18th. So that is as of yesterday. Uh, and we're recording this. So it's a five-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Arvada. And he's in the process of finding three tenants with the goal of getting it filled by December 1st. So Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So kind of give us the, the quick rundown because you officially took possession yesterday. It's where you could move in, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, right now I'm still in my apartment. I have my apartment lease until uh, January 1st. And yeah, that's kind of how all the, the looking for housing um, came to fruition for me was I'm 29, going to be 30 in March, just kind of tired of paying somebody else $1,700 a month. Um, and so I, I started looking and I think it was like 52 days after I went on the house hacking slash real estate investment uh, knowledge binge that I ended up closing on a property. So uh, yeah, the circumstances were a bit unique with it. Um, they were looking for a, a fast closing, uh, but the current tenant or current seller at the time, uh, they weren't unable to move into their property until the 16th of November. So we got close quick. Uh, Castle and Cook Mortgage moves fast. Uh, the team, you know, all yep. players moved really quick and efficiently. And then, uh, yeah, I had to sit on my hands for about 12 days and uh, got rid of the, uh, you know, house hunting anxiety. But then it became, uh, when can I get into this place? So <laughs> I think we all yeah. know about the house hunting anxiety. And yeah, Castle and Cook, they, they definitely have their ducks in a row for you to uh, move quick on your clothes and um, and set yourself above other people interested in the property because I'm sure that that seller is really wanting to get it. And if you present to them that you're going to have a quick close, whether it's 10 or 20 days, uh, it's really appealing to them, I think. That's what helped us on ours, at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, speed definitely helps out sometimes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, guys, glad to have you on the show. Uh, ben. I am looking at you now because All right. you have the agenda and I get to introduce people and have some fun. So tell us what we're doing. Perfect. So first, um, what I like to dive into first, just briefly and informally is, um, we all have a reason for house hacking and we all, we all look back and, and thought about what's our, what's our why for house hacking? What's our short-term goal? What do we want to do in the, in six months to one year? And what do we want in the three to five years? And that's why I kind of wanted to, just quickly dive in, uh, let the listeners know what what your actual uh, goal with house hacking is. Um, Justin, start with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess my short-term goals would be to get my house filled. I actually have two of the three rooms filled at this point, waiting on the third um, and then add value to my property. Um, so one thing that I saw in buying that house was that there's a lot of square footage and it's not being utilized for bedrooms. Um, specifically, the laundry room is huge. I mean, I think it's like 13 by 14 feet. I mean, and you don't need that much room for a laundry room. So I'm planning on busting out a couple walls, adding a bedroom, potentially adding a bathroom before I move out and do my next house hack. Um, just because, you know, it seems to me that five bedrooms really bring in that cash flow. Um, so that's the short-term goal. Uh, long-term goals, 
Um, in terms of like monthly cash flow, Chris actually had me do this exercise. I decided that $32,000 a month is kind of my long, like very long-term goal in, uh, you know, rental or income from real estate. Um, I'd like to own a multifamily. Um, and I would also like to try my hand at doing a burr and a flip. I I don't really want to be like a one trick pony in real estate. (laughs) Yes. Um, so you said you have two of three, the three rooms. So I'm guessing you're doing, it sounds like you're doing the, the rent by the room strategy. Yep. Yep. How's that going? Yeah. So I, um, I had, it's going great. Honestly. Uh, one of the guys, I actually know him. So that went really smoothly and I just posted on, there's a few like Denver roommates, Facebook pages that I posted on. Um, and I was actually like wanted to wait until I got done, like getting everything like set up in the house. And I was like, you know what? People aren't going to care. I think I just need to get it up and get people in there. And I got a lot of traffic. Um, I had some pretty interesting people call me about the room. Um, I had one guy who asked me if, uh, he, his room, his, him and one other guy, the other guy was the ex CIA agent and he wanted to grow marijuana in the backyard. And I was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> wait, wait, well, come on. You turn that down? Do what? You turn, you turn that turn... one down? Well, I just <laughs> that's, that's, okay. that's, a, that's a slam dunk. I thought it was a weird deal, man. Like, no, I mean, I'm an XCA guy that wants to grow a pot. If it was $32,000 a month, I think you would say yes. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> if they wanted to give me extra money, I would have done it. But he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll build a shed in the backyard and he can smoke back there. And I'm like, <laughs> like additional rent. You can rent like drama to me. Other streams of uh, rental income for you. Yeah. Your backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cultivating the backyard. It's, um, so, yeah, so I, I ran into a couple interesting people with that. And... Um, but yeah, no, so I'm, I'm just waiting on that third room. I actually was thinking today if the two people are moving in are okay with it, I might do Airbnb for the third room and see how it goes. That's good. One thing you brought up that's that's interesting is do you have any concerns renting to someone that you know um, if regarding um, payment or if, if something go, goes wrong, you know? Is that a concern to you? Not necessarily. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm doing lease contracts with everybody. Um, I mean, you, you got to keep everything at our arm's length, right? Like, cause it's, it's a business and like, you can, you know, you can have friends move in, but you always have to like draw the line in the sand and be like, Hey, like, you know, this is just because you're my friend doesn't mean I'm going to be okay with you paying me rent two weeks late or okay with like cutting you a huge deal and, and or whatever. Right. So that, I don't know. I'm okay with, with having people in there that I know. And I almost prefer it because I'm living there after I move out. I, I mean, like, I don't really care if I know them or not. Right. But having someone that I know doing a house hack, being that I live there, it's nice just because I kind of know what I'm getting. But I mean, I don't want to, it's the devil, you know, right. I mean, you're getting the negatives and positives that, you know, as opposed to some person that you have never met before. Absolutely. Well and said. Can I, can I go and jump in here and he, because he was just talking about when to start renting out rooms, mm-hmm. and Jeff, you've you've done this a handful of times. Yes. I mean, when is the you know there's there's hey everything is ready to go, yeah. and then there's the mm-hmm. hey we're good enough we can start doing. And there's hey there's a waitress. So where where's kind of the sweet spot in that in that continuum of hey you're getting a house act when you start looking for roommates? Yeah, I mean I would <clears throat> perfect world you would start a couple weeks before you close. 
assuming the place already is uh you know looks good in pictures um and people like you probably noticed justin that uh the people that you rented to not your friend but like the other person um i don't know if you furnished or not but sometimes people don't care if it's furnished they just want a room to rent they just want to move from wherever they're living or if they're from out of state or uh, if they're living at a place they don't like the other roommates, um, they're just very transitory people. But yeah, to answer your question, Chris, uh, you get really the place doesn't have to be all like repainted and have beautiful appliances and furniture and looking immaculate. You could you could find renters. You could rent by room even in the crappiest, dungiest basement <laughs> room. Uh, you know, you're probably not gonna get seven hundred dollars a month for it, but you'll probably get like five hundred bucks a month for that room. Uh, there's always there is renters in every spectrum of uh, price well, range and quality. Like, can, I, can I throw in another layer on yeah. here? I mean, we we are recording this. You know, we are yeah, we're one week before Thanksgiving right. here in November. So you know, after Labor Day, everything kind of sl- slows down a little bit due to seasonality, and then come holidays, things slow down the most in Denver market. So room by room stuff with hey, we got the holidays coming up here, and in November to New Year's Eve is the not the ideal time to go out there and rent places. How much quicker is, hey, does speed matter to get someone in there versus waiting even a week or two? Like, can you kind of quantify how much more important speed is around the holidays? Yeah, I mean, like, to fill it uh, Yeah, to fill it and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, fill it quicker and maybe get a couple more dollars and we're having to drop it, you know, 25 or 50 bucks. Not a whole lot, but ideal. Hey, the sooner it's filled, the higher the rent. Yeah. We're happier. Uh. I mean, yeah, right now it's probably the toughest time to rent because you have people going home for Thanksgiving or, you know, or, you know, taking that time off for Christmas and Hanukkah, whatever holidays they celebrate. Uh, a lot of people just don't move as much, just like normal tenants, but to to get some, but there's, I would say more people at rent by the room that like they're more transitory. So you'll have more people interested in renting a $700 room. Uh, so it's not complete, as long as you're not overpriced and you're going for like $1,000 for you know, just completely out of the ballpark, you'll, you can still find people even in the middle of, uh, as long as it's good pictures, short description, and you listed a bunch of places, you'll find people no matter if it's a week before Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. You can find like, even right now, if you listed today and next week's Thanksgiving, I bet if you priced it right, you could find someone by December 1st. If you okay. post enough places, it's definitely possible. I've done it before. So it's not uh, impossible. Yeah. And you're nodding your head there, Ben. I, no, I, I'm going on the other side. I think it's the other way around because all in all, it's a business. I, I look at it as a business. Um, so you want to, I think your your property more say doesn't make make your money, your tenants make your money. Yeah. So you, it's all about doing your work and doing, doing the upfront work and screening tenants to make sure you find a quality tenant. Because I think when I jumped on uh, the phone with Patrick, he's, he's at, I think you said at one point you lived in a place and you talk to where it was rent by the room i think it was uh, out of the states but it was out um rent by the room and the landlord said get man give it give it three to four months and the true color show is that what you said yeah yeah it was uh, i was Wait. living in new zealand and uh it was it wasn't the owner of the property but it was a guy who had lived there for eight years and we were talking about you know some of the new roommates that had moved in i had been there for three or four months at that point um, so I don't, maybe he was making a cheeky stab at me, but, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But basically he said, you know, yeah, you know, they're cleaning their dishes now. They're, they're acting all nice, but that wears off in three months. He said, I've been doing this 
for too long. <laughs> um, you know, where, where they live is Queenstown, New Zealand. So it's very transient. Lots of people come and go. So they're kind of always posting rooms for rent, uh, out of their, out of their place. And it's a amazing spot to be. Um, so they get kind of picky and I, I got lucky to have like a personal connection to get to them, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was true. You know, um, some people are who they say they were, you know, some of those flatmates were good as gold and the other ones started shaking out about three to four months. And then, you know, that's when I started reevaluating my tenancy in that house, you know, it was like, well, I didn't come here to get stressed out about who I'm living with. So, yeah. And yeah. I've talked about this before too, yeah, because a- of that reason, six month leases are your best friend when it comes to rent by the room, yes. even if it's you're renting in April, I still suggest a six month lease just because of that whole issue right there. Fit uh, is probably, you can't screen, you could do is what, whatever you, you can't really discriminate for fit. You have to just screen on your qualifications and application standards of uh, income, employment, um, and background check. But fit is, you just don't know how people are going to mesh. Even if you think, oh yeah, they, they both seem kind of chill and quiet. Uh, that does not matter at all. Cause like, uh, Patrick's aware after a few months, people just like anything, they'll, they'll go back to their old habits. They won't try to be nice to each other anymore. And, um, the true colors will come out. So the shorter leases, and then if it is a good fit, then go long-term to the one year, uh, 18 months would depend on the timing of the, uh, lease and what they want. Um, is the most optimal in my opinion, but yeah, it's even actually more so right now. Uh, to fill a vacancy, like I said, if you price it right in the middle for, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas is really a difficult time to rent. But if you go like 50 bucks lower than what you can get in, let's say May, that's totally fine. Just do a six month lease. And then when it comes up May 1st, then bump it up to market or, uh, you know, if to me, having a good tenant is better, um, even at $50 less per month than, a crappy one I'm always replacing and trying to get the maximum rent. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was yeah. getting, getting Bingo. at. Bingo. Is, yeah. is, is do your due diligence up front, take your time. Even if you're losing 50 bucks a month, then you're worried about the holiday coming up. Let me get someone in. Oh, well, it's 850 now, but now you have a headache and yeah. I can't put a, qu- a quantity to that, but I know that's the last thing you want to deal with this per, per, yeah. per example I got in my last place. Um, I re-rented a couple of the rooms uh, maybe I underpriced a couple of them. I did six seventy five, and I said, oh, I'll try 750. Was this number three? Yeah. Number three. Okay. Uh, and no problem for the room is exactly the same. I didn't do it. What was your rents there? Uh, six seventy five for the small rooms that are like 10 Upstairs? by, yeah, 10 okay. by 11. And you know, maybe I underpriced those, but then, cause it shows well, really well pictures. And I said, oh, let's try 750. And then I, I filled those two rooms to 750. No problem. Just because of, I rented them out during the spring and summer versus when I originally rented it was uh, October, which is but in the grand scheme of things, $75. It's not a big deal and it shouldn't be a big deal right. to anyone's budget. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's always nice to maximize it, but in the grand scheme, it's like, yeah, whatever. Like that's yeah. not going to affect your retirement, you know, in, no. in 12 years or something. It's just uh maximizing the cash flow, yeah. but it's, you know, whether if, whether to me, having a better tenant at a lower rent is better than trying to always, aim for maximization and having more vacancies and time where they're empty uh, and trying to be optimal because you can still achieve optimal portfolio without always pushing the limits. Um, and peace of mind, I think, is not, especially when you rent by the room, 
um, just like Airbnb, you want peace of mind that your investment is safe and you're not have to always get a thousand calls or worry about all the time. If you have good tenants that, you know, pick up after themselves, uh, know the house rules and you're, you know, the only complaints you'll get when like things break and that's how it should be. Yeah. Well said. All right, Patrick goals. What do you, what do you, what's your, what's your, your, uh, purpose of house hacking? So I'll be honest, after I got under contract with this house, uh, I got off the forum. I didn't like remove myself from the forums, but you know, I just went on a total decrease of, uh, fire hydrant of knowledge, uh, that I was taking into my brain because like I said, it was kind of like a fast paced decision for me. Um, very logical person. I make logical decisions. So I knew that I could do it. Um, but in, in, in the last two months, it was, you know, I read both of Chris's books. I was on bigger pockets all the time, doing webinars, following these podcasts, um, just trying to get as much information as I could. Uh, I got a couple friends, one in Philly doing a house hack purchased about two months before me, a friend in San Antonio that's doing flips. Uh, he's kind of the one that was the genesis to me, even thinking about being able to be in real estate investment. Cause he used to be a ski bum in Vail, which is how I met him. And I thought, you know, how do you afford to do this? And he kind of opened my eyes to the availability of money that's actually out in the market for you to access, to do these sorts of things, uh, which is what started the ball rolling. So, you know, short-term goals, um, find good tenants. I mean, that's really it for me. Um, I, I structured our closed date or I requested our closed date be structured so that my first uh, mortgage payment isn't due until January 1st. That being because of my, I'm currently in an apartment that that lease ends January 1st. I didn't want to double up on, um, you know, mortgage payment and a rent payment. Uh, but at the same time that bought, buys me some time to find, you know, tenants right now, I I've got one tenant, um, lease signed. I've got a security deposit in, in pocket. Uh, another one is going to be moving from Tennessee. I'm just waiting on some verification from his uh, work transfer to come through and I'll have him signed on and he's starting January 1st. The other guy's December 1st, but I've got that month of December as a flux. You know, I don't, I don't really need people in there, uh, in the month of December. It's just extra cash in my pocket at that point, which is always good for cash flow. Um, the way I've structured my potential, you know, I don't plans always change, but the way I've structured my potential, uh, portfolio, acquisition um is probably a year and a half from now be looking to purchase another property just because i think i got i slid in under the door in the nick of time before the market really just kind of fell off in terms of listings the presidential election was occurring i I really didn't want to linger too far into november when looking for a house hack property so i was able to get that under contract and now i'm kind of looking ahead and i think okay you know, a month in December, I don't really need to fill it very quickly. And if I plan to hold this house hack for a year and a half, that's giving me an extra six months over the, you know, kind of typical one year turnover for uh, buying a, the next one. Um, it gives me another six months of saving. So, you know, I, I'm not really hurting to, to get another person, um, but just want to make sure the fit's right and that, you know, Justin kind of alluded to it earlier. There are a lot of interesting people out there trying to take advantage of your situation, 
somehow. I don't. It doesn't really make sense. But yeah, you get some interesting folks that reach out that has been talked about before. They don't read the posting. They ask questions that are clearly identified in the second sentence of the post. It's just. It's, uh, I found a very quick way to uh, kind of filter people out. I've got a copy and pasted response that basically just as soon as they initiate the conversation, I just copy and paste a response that says, if you're interested in a room, send me your email. I'll send you a link to the background credit check and application. It costs $29 through Zillow. That money never touches my pocket, but I just want you to know that that's the next step in this process. 80% of people stop right there. They don't reply. Um, they just you know, they're trying to get feelers or they think that they're going to get a whole five bed, two bath house for $750 a month. <laughs> it's a very, it's very apparent when you start seeing these messages come in and you're kind of checking on profiles and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, my, my short term, probably most immediate short term goal is to get back off of Facebook. <laughs> I was off of Facebook. I got back on just for this. Uh, and you know, I'll be relieved to have a couple tenants in where I can just delete Facebook again and not have to worry about, you know, the listings and stuff. It's part of the game. I get that. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of short term, not as specific there as like Justin Scott, but my long term, again, kind of, you know, down the line, it's just acquisition of four or five properties in the Denver area would be nice. I'm open to different types. Uh, multi-family or multi-unit uh, buildings. Um, again, I would like to be in the Burr flip situation, but that was kind of how I got into the house hacking real estate yep. uh, conversation was looking at Burrs, looking at flips, and then kind of just really understood what I was going to be capable of financially. And those weren't in my wheelhouse at the moment. So, and they're tough to do in the are, market conditions as well. Like, I mean, it's it's great, exactly. But it, it's tough to do as a person, and it's and you know, it's really swimming upstream in the Denver market. And when you're swimming upstream, that's harder. My philosophy is like, go downstream, go with the flow. Mm-hmm. One thing, Patrick, I, I wrote here as you're talking about the uh, the people who don't read all the uh, Facebook po- you're you're posting there. So here's a problem, man. You're very logical. A lot of people <laughs> are not logical nor detail oriented. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I got no good news for you there other than <laughs> we, we complain about it all the time ourselves. We're like, okay, that thing you're asking, we've said that three times here. Like, please read yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even entertain. I, I, I try to put out vibes into the world that I, I want to receive back. So I try not to get snappy like I maybe used to in my younger age. And, uh, you know, kind of call them out for, you know, being, I don't know, illiterate or dumb or whatever, or, or just, you know, totally on the hunt too much, you know, and I had, I actually had one individual, he sent, he did send me his email. Um, I sent him the application process and then a couple days later he followed up and said, Hey, can you send that link? Um, I took a screenshot that showed, you know, I said, Hey, is this, your information. He said, yeah, that's my information. I said, I sent it the other day. You can see the timestamp on it. And he's like, Oh, well, can you send it again? I've got 40 applications to go through. And I said, Hey man, I'm not going to hold your hand through this process. If you can't sort through your emails, I don't think that I'm really interested in you uh, living in my house. And that was about as chippy as I've gotten. And, uh, he was none too kind after that. He was, I had to block him. There was, you know, F you, F this. I hope this fails for you. And you don't find tenants. And it's just like, 
Come on, so bro. And then, it went, and, then, and then it went from 40 applicants to, man, I got mm. 200 applications I have to go through in my email, and you can't just send it again. I said, I done. Why do you want to go the block? But yeah, it's it's a, it's a means to an end, and I'm finding that yeah. Facebook obviously is the place to be. Um, Apartments.com doesn't allow you to rent uh, post listings by the room. Zillow doesn't let, let you post listings by the room. Personally, I don't care for Roomster. I feel like it's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of scam going on there where they send you an, because the way Roomster works, you sign up, but you can't have access to messages that get sent to you unless you pay for a subscription. So, you know, I posted my listing and then I got a message and it was like a very vague, you can't even like really review their profile. And I initially thought, I wonder if this is Roomster just like sending out a spam message to get me to pay for the subscription. And uh, I paid for the subscription. Of course, I replied to the person who initially reached out. They never replied back. Um, so, you know, what I'm finding is Facebook's really the kind of the, the one trick pony for posting by the room. And you just got to kind of take what you get when it comes with the territory of dealing in the Facebook realm, which is sliding into the Craigslist realm a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I use, I also use turbo tenant, which you can post room by room. Um, oh, okay. and that's also the interface I'm using for like screening tenants, um, getting set up with leases and all that. It's, it's pretty user friendly and it's free. Um, and you can do room by room. I mean, I got, I guess both of my tenants from Facebook marketplace, but the CIA weed guy did contact me through uh, turbo tenant. So Good to know. Yeah. I'll download Turbo Tenant then. Yeah, Roomster is a mixed bag. They do that weird game, or it's like a, you get like a message. I know exactly what you're talking about. They send you a message from a person, but it's, it, it appears it's not directed toward, it seems like it's a message to you, but it's really t- towards anyone that has a room in that area. So you try to reply back, and that person only sends like 10 people. And sent, so some of them are real, and some are fake. Really? So it's like a, it's truly a, it has people on there, but I would say 80%, 90% of my leads come from Facebook Marketplace. And it, yeah. it was worth, you know, it's like eight bucks for a yeah. $5 or a five day subscription. Um, it was worth it. Eight bucks, whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. you can't buy a six pack for that much in Denver anyway. So it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I'll give it a shot. Uh, eight bucks. I, I ran it. It ran its course for five days. I got a few like more realistic um, profiles reaching out, but no responses. And I just thought, uh, you know, I'm getting far more bites on Facebook that, you know, I could spend, I even spent money to boost my listing on the marketplace, which actually it, I, I got nothing out of the boosting. Cause when you boost a listing on Facebook marketplace, it actually gives you insights. So it shows you, this is how many people clicked on your ad. This is how many people actually reached out and messaged you from clicking on the ad, from seeing the ad and a uh, five day listing on, uh, I think it was five day listing on Facebook only netted me one direct message. So I just opted to not even boost my listings anymore. I'm getting plenty of, uh, plenty of, uh, you know, contacts, whether they're good or not. But what I, what I do there is I usually delete my ad or just, uh, just do a whole new ad. And then, uh, you're like re with the algorithm. Then you're like back at the top versus trying to boost an old ad. Uh, and that's, worked for me sometimes when I've had a listing that's gotten after like three to five days. Um, if it drags out that long, then just look at like, okay, I'll just do same ad, I'll just repost it again. 
Um, and that's worked for me a few times because it's, yeah. um, it's like a n- new ad versus a boosted old ad. Even making edits. Um, cause I found when I tried to make edits, like, you know, I got one room signed and then I went down to two rooms. I tried to change it. Well, when you've got it listed in six places, you know, six different rental seeking groups plus marketplace, I was finding that Facebook wasn't doing a good job of like actually streamlining that process and updating everything properly. Like, so I was seeing like some of my posts were not updated or the titles were different than the other ones. And so yeah, at a certain point I just deleted everything, uh, changed it. And then, yeah, it puts you right back at the top. It gets that initial like boost of interest again, because people are seeing it. I just wanted to be careful not to get blacklisted by the admin because you know, you shouldn't be spamming the page by posting your, your listing over and over and over again, which sometimes with Facebook, as it lags, you know, I had it accidentally post two, three times on one, you know, subletting page. And then I had to like, you know, be diligent about, shoot, I got to make sure I delete these because I don't want to get banned from this subletting group or, or rental group because it looks like I'm spamming the page. Nobody wants that. All right. So well I, said. Yeah, let's go. I know we got some questions here, Ben. All right. That you have so nicely highlighted in our agenda. So Yeah. Just trying to make it easy on us. No, I like it, dude. This, I As mean, a Bailey's kicks in. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you do <laughs> the prep work. Yeah. The work up front. Um, so, Justin, when you were talking earlier, we were talking about um, you're not living at your current house hack because the roof's getting done. And then when we t- spoke on the phone, we had a brief discussion about negotiating and can you negotiate in a uh in a in a seller's market yeah what do you and and where yeah what do you think about that well i i am living in the house i'm just not there right now because okay yeah yeah it's a total construction zone um yeah so i don't know i i personally thought that like there was a lack of negotiating power in a seller's market because it's inevitably a seller's market and you know, there's a lot more buyers out there than there are houses. Right. Um, but what I realized specifically on my house, so like with the electrical work and the, and the roof, basically we got a bid for the roof and we went back to the seller's agent with it. And he came back and was like, that's way too high. And so we gave him an extra couple of days, like go get your own roofer out there and get your own bid. And then he wouldn't do it. And he came back and he was like, well, he threw a number. I think the number that we got for the roof was like 14, five. And he came back and he was like, well, we'll give you 12. And I was like, no, like screw that. Like we, we got a bid. It's 14, five. You were too lazy to get your own people out there. We extended the resolution date. And on top of that, if you go back in the market, you have to tell every single potential buyer that you need a new roof and you don't have electrical that's safe. So not only like, did, did you not get anybody out there, but you don't want to go back to the market and have to deal with that. <clears throat> so I was like, let's just, so I said, let's go back and tell them this, but Walker actually like drafted up the contract and sent it to him and said, Hey, like 14, five, we'll close the deal. And then they ended up signing it. So it's like, you know, I think you still like you do lack negotiating power, but I don't think you completely lack it. I think you can still do it because at the end of the day, they want to sell the house and you want to buy the house and nobody wants to go back on the market. So if you're under contract, you do have just being under contract gives you that negotiating power. Um, so I don't think you should back down from somebody. I mean, like at the worst case, you would have just said no, 
and I would have either walked and bought a different house, or I would have said, okay, whatever, I'm cool with the 12 grand. But I mean, if you don't ask somebody for something, you're not going to get it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you said it like, we've noticed like, you know, a lot of times we are going in at list or sometimes over list price on properties. And you know, that's, you always want something below, below list price and want to, want a deal. Unfortunately, that's, you know, hard to find in Denver and you take, you take what you can get, you know, beggars can be, can't be too choosy right now. And, but when you do like go under contract, especially near their ask price, if it's, you know, listed well, we've seen a lot more favorable inspection resolution negotiations there versus, Hey, you go 10,000 below, it's really low ball them. And they're like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Take it or leave it. And it really changes the, the, the dynamic there. So you're right. Getting under contract with realistic, real, with realistic expectations is, you know, the name of the game, in the Denver market right now. And then it's also, as you said, you know, you are not, you are not submitting an objection over something nitpicky and stupid. It's not like, oh, you know what? You know, uh, we're missing uh, curtain rods and we're missing door stops and there's no egress window in the basement. It's like, no, this is all stuff you saw before, but roof, sewer, radon, you can't see that when you walk the property. And so that's, you know, if you present the bids, present that. Plus, I don't know how much, uh, you know, uh, Walker told you about the other agent. He, he, he was... Uh, he was a very tough guy to put politely. He was, uh, yeah. at some point threatening to talk to managing brokers and all stuff. And Walker's like, Hey guys, like our managing brokers with, you know, in, in Colorado, that's like you supervising, you supervising a broker here at our, at our company. And Walker's like, okay, this guy's starting all this. Like, I don't see why everything is fine, but Hey guys, just double check me. Am I missing something here? Just like double, double, you know, double and triple check me. Like, no, dude, you're good. He's just, that's just the way he is. He's trying to play hardball and be, be a tough yeah. guy. And yeah, that kind of pissed me off too when he did that to Walker. <laughs> well, I, dude, like, well, yeah, friend. we agree. Yeah, and so I was like, <laughs> send him we fourteen five, send it back to him, and if he doesn't sign it, I'll buy a different house. Whatever. So correct me if I'm wrong. If I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm a seller, and I, I, I'm starting to get under contract. Chris, you're trying to buy my house. I'm starting to get a bite of the of the cake, and then when they're starting to ask for certain things, like a roof or something. I don't want it to go back on the market because I started getting a taste for it and I, I start seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm selling my house quickly. And um would you would you agree with that? That like they don't they don't want I think Preston put it the best way is a stale, a stale house that, that goes off the market. Or I guess stale is not the right word, but goes off the market and then back on the market. Cause then people people see that and they they instantly think that, oh, there's probably something wrong with that. Because I remember when I was looking at properties, I looked at something that was maybe a week and a half on market, and it was a week and a half, and I was and some, something in my mind is like, oh, there's something, there's something wrong with that property. Or it went off and back on. Oh, there's a foundation, plumbing, something's wrong with it, you know? Well, you're right. So, I mean, some rough numbers. I'd say about eight out of 10 sellers and their listing agents, that's their attitude. Like, you know what? Like, hey, you know, the... Uh, this is going well, so, you know, going well, you know, plus if we cancel, we're gonna have to deal with the same issue with the buyer behind you, Ben, the buyer, buyer behind you, Justin. And so let's just, you know, resolve yeah. it here since you're already here. And, and sometimes too, depending on the seller situation, hey, they might already be under contract the new house with a move out date that's ideal for their situation. And it comes down to the fact like, hey, yeah, okay, okay, I'm gonna be like a couple thousand dollars less than I expected, but everything else makes sense. You know what, this, this makes sense for me. Now, the other one out of 10, two out of 10, 
Um, you just sometimes want to grab your stupid gun and shoot him with it because you're like, why are you being stupid about this? Like you. Uh, <laughs> That's not always standard negotiation, but you know, to, to be very frank, you're just like, come on, guys, like, this is you're you're getting like we had the I can think of two deals like one is a, a house hack um, in Southwest Denver and they want to blow up the deal over like a thousand dollars over and this was like a sewer line. It's just like guys, this is stupid. Another example, go extreme, like even the bigger things we had we had and are about to get back in our contract a twelve unit or thirteen unit apartment building in Nevada around two million dollars. So. You know, it's it's a hefty you know hefty price tag. We're on the buy set. Our clients are in ten thirty one exchange, so they've got their their deadlines. They're under contract. A couple weeks ago, did their inspection, and they're off by like a couple thousand bucks. And the store was like, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to come down on there." But the thing is, they were willing to close in January, which would save them like a, a prepayment penalty loan five times the amount. And it's like, where's the logic on here? So. It can be very frustrating. Most of the time, most sellers and most listing agents are very, very reasonable and have common sense. But one out of ten, two out of ten, you're like, "Oh man, I, I need, I need my stupid gun here to kind of like, kind of like shock people here. Like, come on, guys, let's just take a step back and use some common sense and big picture." Well, and my situation was a little bit different than Justin's in that my house, the house that I ended up getting was like move-in ready. I mean, I thought about even painting the rooms, and then when it came down to it, I was like. No, I didn't want to do that. You know, like I thought about putting ceiling fans in the rooms. We're going into winter. That's not really something I need to spend my money on. And so the negotiation aspect on a house that's basically moving ready is a lot more hard to get on the table because there are going to be other buyers there that are willing to just walk in, move in. There's already radon mitigation system. The roof was not that old. The sewer was good. The foundation was, you know, seemingly good. The basement was all drywalled out. It's all finished. So it's kind of hard to see. But um, one thing that you guys touched on that I wanted to go back to really quick in a scenario where you're looking at houses that are like moving ready. Um, and, and, you know, in this Denver market where you can sometimes expect to pay 20,000 over asking just to be aggressive and, and get into a house that you want, um, you know, something that you can use as a negotiation tool is putting a limit on your inspection resolution items. And that's what we did in my contract was, you know, she wanted to fast close. They were waffling back and forth a little bit about um, some items. They wanted a little more time to make a, to make a decision on the contract, which they were just trying to get closer to the weekend. You know, we put an offer in, I think on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And I said, no, we're not waiting. We're not giving you more time for you to get more offers. What the way we'll do it is we're going to limit my inspection resolution items to $2,000. So anything that comes in under $2,000, I'll handle it myself. The water heater, the furnace, uh, the radon mitigation fan, actually the bearings were going out. So it was making noise. They just had it unplugged the whole time. I thought uh, I just replaced it yesterday, 145 bucks from Home Depot went and fixed it myself, but that's kind of another avenue of getting in and, and kind of saying like, Hey, look at, we're serious. Uh, we're not going to sit here and nitpick you. I use an FHA loan. So those FHA inspections supposedly are a bit more nitpicky than a, or a, mm -hmm. a conventional, um, inspection. So, you know, things like, Oh, the door doesn't close quite as easy as it should, you know? And it's, we just wanted to assure them, look, I'm not here to get nitpicky about little stuff, but if your sewer is bad, um, if the roof needs replaced or there's significant structural damage, that's a no go for us. And all of those things are going to come in over $2,000, but you know, water heater, thousand bucks furnace, you know, 1500, $2,000. Those are things that was just like, you know what? I want the property. That's my negotiation tool. 
and you know it ended up working for us yeah and and that's that's a strategy we like because if sellers don't get are not going to get nitpicky that that helps us uh differentiate ourselves from other other people out there as well all right ben what's the next topic to go into uh patrick so you you said you have your your house hack is in arvada correct yeah um how did you come about like when you're originally looking for your property what layout and how did you come to that you're looking for this type of layout for uh, a house hack this these many rooms this location and what really fits your personal situation best how did you kind of narrow yeah, it down so one piece of advice i would give to people is to drive around the denver area because you know my i, I used to live in wyoming used to frequent um uh, the denver area pretty frequently but you know aurora kind of gets a rap for being like you know lower in- income area that's where a lot of people move when they first get to denver but you know so i, I kind of had that in the back of my mind like oh, i don't know if i really want to move to aurora but you know drive around aurora there are some very nice locations mm-hmm. over there some really nice properties some like really old kind of like historic looking you know roads with really tall trees i mean it's just like it's the ambiance is nice so getting a feel for littleton inglewood uh, aurora south aurora arvada westminster boulder thornton you know northland getting an idea of lakewood you know what what it is what you're comfortable living in um and then really make up your mind uh if you don't want to be an extra 25 minutes away from the mountain just cut it out of your search you know you might have more opportunity to look at houses there might be more on the market over there less competition in aurora but if you want to be closer to the mountains that's something you you know it's it's really dependent. It's subjective to whoever, you know, what, what your lifestyle is, what you want. But once you make those determinations, just stick with it and stop looking in those places. And so my, my thing was I wanted at least a four bedroom, two bath. Um, and I wanted the layout such that two bedrooms shared one bathroom. So I didn't want, um, four bedrooms, one master ensuite, and then three bedrooms <laughs> to a bathroom because it's doable. Three people share in a bathroom, but, uh, you know, if ideally I could get it set up where two bedrooms shared a bathroom and then, you know, two other bedrooms shared a separate bathroom locationally in the house, that would be good for me. And, and this house came up, there's a five bed, two bath, two full bath. Um, there's three bedrooms upstairs to one bathroom, two bedrooms downstairs to one bathroom. And, uh, I'm going to use one of the bedrooms upstairs as an office. So it, you know, that upstairs bedroom still kind of a communal bathroom for, you know, making dinner. I got to, you know, use the the John real quick or wash my hands. Um, you know, so that's gotta be understood, but for people going in and out, taking showers, brushing their teeth, that kind of stuff. I think for me, I thought it, you know, I've lived in different countries where I've kind of been on the other side of house hacking. I'm paying other people to live in their properties, um, pretty frequently. And, um, you know, that was something that I personally liked, uh, was okay. I don't want to be sharing a bathroom with five people, four people, you know, so that sort of layout. And so the location and the layout, when you get those two things, um, you know, you could be a little bit uh, flexible on them, obviously. Um, but when you really find out that's what you're looking for, just stick to it. And it eliminates a lot of, uh, unnecessary visits to properties that you're trying to talk yourself into like, Oh, well, this isn't really the layout that I wanted, but man, the market's getting tighter right now. It's just, you know, 
have an idea of what you want, have your dollar value that you're willing to, to spend and just hunt. Um, I think the way I put it was, um, kind of keep your expectations low. Um, but hunt aggressively because, you know, as we discussed before the podcast, you know, I kind of got my heart broken on a property I, I missed out on by quote unquote, a couple thousand dollars in Lakewood. And, uh, I lost three nights of sleep over that the night we put the offer in and then oh, the next really? two, because you know, that sort of, you start, you know, when you get into real estate, it's, you put your first offer on and then it's like, you know, it, it might not get taken, but you start building that life in your head of, man, I'm going to live in this spot. There's this grocery store, there's this, and then it gets pulled out from under you. And it's kind of like, oh man, now I got to get back on the market. And, you know, and having that sort of set, uh, layout of the house and location, whether it's West of, uh, 25, um, North of, uh, 70, whatever it is, you're able to kind of jump right back into the market when say an offer doesn't come through for you. Um, and you've already, you're honed in again, you're not spending ridiculous amounts of time on the weekends, you know, searching five houses, six houses, going to open houses. It kind of helps kind of rein everything in. Yeah, dude, do, doing the, the open houses every weekend can get, can get exhausting. Um, yeah. And so that's actually how I found this one. We, we, uh, um, Ashley and I had, had toured five houses, five, we had five, uh, five scheduled appointments on a Saturday, which is a bit more than she recommends. You know, she says stick around three or four. Yep. Once you get over that, th things start to get muddled together and you, you lose track of details. Um, so, you know, I know it's her job, but I felt bad. I was dragging her around on a Saturday. I said, Hey, just appreciate it. Uh, you go home. I'm going to go up to Arvada. I'm going to check out this uh, open house. I walked into the property, um, and walked around and walked outside big backyard, fire pit, hot tub back. Uh, there's a big shed in the back and I, I walked downstairs. I said, well, I might as well walk through the whole house walked downstairs. And then I just walked right. I didn't even really say anything to the listing. I just walked right back up. Cause I was like, I cannot afford this place. You know, like I, there's no way that if I put an offer in that other people aren't going to be putting offers 10, 15, 20 over asking, and, I, and I'm not willing to go that high. And, um, you know, just so happened that three days later, Ashley and I were touring another property and, uh, we got a push notification that this house dropped its price by 13 grand. It had only been on the market for four days. So we moved aggressively because we had, you know, the idea that they're probably looking to close quickly and that's why they dropped the price so quickly. So, yeah. I had a similar thought process when I was, I think towards the end of my search, I got to the point where I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get like the layout and this, like the characteristics in a house that I want for the price, because every house that I looked at that had the layout, you know, had everything I wanted was in the area that I wanted. It would go for like 25 to $50,000 over asking. Um, there was actually specifically one house in Littleton. It was like perfectly updated. It was beautiful. They had like, they had a hot tub and like a, it was like a kid's playhouse, but it was more like for adults. It was ridiculous, but it was way down in Littleton. And I figured how like its proximity to Denver would lend itself to being a little bit cheaper. So Walker called the listing agent like the day that it was listed. And they said to be competitive, you had to go in at least 50,000 over asking. Oh, geez. And like, I got really discouraged then. Cause I was like, this is just not going to happen. I'm actually going to save up a lot more money to get a house out here. Um, but it took me a lot longer 
to kind of figure out that layout. I had to look at a lot of different houses and get an understanding of, okay, these are the specifications that I need on a house to buy it. And then after like having that layout and knowing that I need a garage because I have a bunch of stuff, I was like, okay, I can look at a house online and be like, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, I, I also wasn't very specific on my location. Like I think there is, so my house is in Glendale. I knew I, I liked that area, um, but the prices weren't really in line with what I was trying to buy, but I'd end up getting a house for a pretty solid deal. Um, but I was also open to like kind of houses up from Lakewood all the way to Arvada, just because after a certain point in time, I was like, I don't want to limit myself because I feel like I'm not getting to buy a house because the characteristics I want a house, I can't find that house in these areas. So I was like, you know what? I'll be open to going on the West side of 25, which actually Chris, you, kind of urged me towards. And I was like, cause I, I didn't know what I, cause I, I worked with an agent before Walker and I was like, I, I don't know if I can rent a house out if it's not close to Denver. And then talking with you and your team, it's like, you can rent a house out almost anywhere. So it really opens the possibilities. Yeah. And to kind of touch on that really quick, the, the second tenant that I'm about to sign a lease with, once I get a uh, confirmation of his work transfer, um, you know, he had told me that his job that he's transferring to is in Littleton. And I was just really upfront. He, he was actually a good communicator. He was one of the good Facebook uh, contacts. And, um, you know, I said, Hey man, this is the application process. Send me your email. Um, but I'm just going to tell you right now, like your job is on the exact opposite side of the city. Um, and I, I, I used to live in Southern California. So traffic, sitting in traffic, driving 35 minutes to go seven miles isn't really unheard of for me. And it's, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not as used to that anymore. Um, especially now that I work from home, but, um, you know, it's not a big deal for me, but for some people and Denver's not as big as Los Angeles or, or the greater San Diego area. So, um, you know, I, I brought that attention to him like, Hey man, um, you might be able to find something actually closer in Littleton. And he basically came back and, and, you know, my girlfriend actually kind of reminded me that I had told her this early on in this process when I started, um, that I'd forgotten. And she reminded me, which is what he had said was, Hey man, um, 35 minutes is no biggie for me. I'm just really focused on finding the right place to live. And if that means your property, uh, 35 minutes is nothing. And that was kind of what I had reiterated to my girlfriend when I first started looking and what, what gets talked about on podcasts specifically about the Denver market is, you know, don't hamstring yourself by thinking that you're going to be too far away from things because, you know, you're really not. And people just want to move here for the area and have access to the outdoors. So really any location in the Denver area, people are, you know, most likely ready to and willing to, um, sign at least for i think it's kind of hard to put yourself in like different life situations right because everybody is different and they're all looking for different like things in a house and you have to realize that not every one person is going to want to have the same needs so like your house is going to fit somebody's needs right 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 chris we have time for some more yeah how are we I, looking we, on time uh, one more one more that will we'll be bumping up against our time so Pick one. All right. So if we have time for one more, um, I want to end off on this. If we have time to go go around the room and talk about what's everyone's uh, best and worst memory or their first, whether it's a house hack, investment, property, or whatever it may be. Because I know when I when I read this, it was uh, 
it, uh, there's a couple that came to my mind and made me start laughing. Uh, I don't know if, if Jeff, you want to start? I'll start. So I'll start with I was under the illusion. This uh, on my first house hack, I did not use Mr. Chris Lopez or Preston Newberry. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for I, that <laughs> And I was under the uh, impression, you know, I must get a two to four unit, you know, because that's what bigger pockets pushes really hard for your for house hacking. And I, you know, I found one. Um, and it's, you look on the west side of Denver. Um, and that one, you know, was it's actually my worst cash flowing deal, um, if you could believe that. <laughs> Um, most expensive to maintain, most expensive repairs, all because um, I was under the impression like, oh, the best cash flowing deals are multifamily. I didn't even consider anything else. I was so laser focused on yeah. just multifamily. You know, it was a great experience. I probably learned more from that one and taught me, I would say on your first one, you learn the most from because, you know, you're a beginner. Uh, everyone's a beginner at some point for, you know, real estate investing. Um, and I learned about, you know, dealing with contractors, dealing with plumbing issues. I didn't even know doors, uh, door jams could be messed up until I got this property. <laughs> I didn't know, uh, you could use the, uh, pliers to turn a faucet until this property. Um, I didn't know mold could so easily grow in Colorado of all places until this property. I know cockroaches existed until this property. What about bed bugs? Not this one. That was, that, that was, a, that was actually a, a duplex I looked at before. Oh, okay, this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, no bed bugs. So I had all these problems, uh, but it taught, you know, I then had to do an eviction on my first week on top of that. So it was a great, it was a, it was a learning experience, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted, even though it was the most expensive, um, but it had the greatest learning experiences all out of every single property. And that's what you get. Um, your first one, just know going in, you're not going to hit that home run on your first one. You shouldn't even aim for a home run in the Denver market. It really should just get a base hit. Like Chris always says, hit a, get a bunch of base hits. Yeah. Uh, and then five to 10 years time, you'll have a home run portfolio and that will make all the difference. And that's where we're all here to achieve and help you guys achieve. So... I will give you the the exact opposite end of the pendulum on okay. that story. Because um, <laughs> I bought my first place in like 2010, 2007, okay. before I was a realtor, before I knew it was into investing. I always wanted to get into investing, but I was like, hey, things are so cheap. I'm just going to buy something because it's cheaper than a storage unit on the mortgage. And so my friend's dad had researched. He was a retired real estate attorney. He'd researched like every single condo complex on the west side of, the west side of Reno, Nevada to be near Lake Tahoe for skiing and, and avoid California taxes. That was his two main things. So he researched every single complex, went up there and bought a two bed or a, a two, two condo for like $73,000. And then we heard about, it, I was like, Hey, that just, we did that. I was like, that's so dirt cheap. We should go do the same thing. So we drove up there. We looked at two places, we looked at two or three places, put an offer in a two hours, run a contract like the next day in a foreclosure. And I realized like a week later, I was like, Holy shit, I just spent less time researching a piece of real estate than I did the latest iPhone. Uh, and it hit me like a week later. I was like, okay, but you know, like my 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 friend's dad, I didn't know him directly, but I trusted my friend and and his father's judgment and their friend's judgment. Then I was just like, hey, it all makes sense. I was like, things are so cheap, like I kind of can't lose in the long run as long as I hold on to it. Um, was kind of my thought. And I was just like, cool, it makes sense. And I worried nothing about it. 
And then every property since I've, I've bought then since, since I've done a lot more due diligence, but that was actually overall the best return I've ever had. Part of that was, you know, I had that for 10 years as well. So it's not quite apples to apples, but I was the exact opposite. I was yeah. like, you know what? This all makes sense. Like, yeah, a couple of details, whatever. Yeah. And, and luckily it worked out, but that I was the exact, and I was just excited. I was like, Hmm, I should probably actually think about this a little bit more than just go up there for a day, <laughs> grab lunch and come home. <laughs> more research on uh, iPhone than your first than your first property yeah, that, that's, that's what popped that's, in my that's, mind. That's, that's... but you know what now that property allows me to own a fourplex in denver which cash flows pretty darn good did you have an iphone back then too or was it ipod or was uh, it ipod in 2009 2010 oh no, that was iphone did iphones in 2000 oh, yeah. iphone 2 or 1 how old are you <laughs> <I don't... laughs> disclaimer i'm a samsung guy <laughs> iphones came out in like 2006 or 2007 <laughs> Okay. So this was like the third or fourth generation type. I remember that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go real quick. I remember like, so on, on the lighter side of things, I know that I, I can picture it like it was, it was today uh, when Preston sent Allison and I our message that we closed on this property because we looked at it and right when we walked in the door, within 30 seconds, we knew this is a great deal and it'll create cat great cash flow and it'll be a good starter for our rental portfolio to build wealth we were at a hockey game and she was at the bar getting drinks and we both the press and uh group messaged us and, and said like congratulations and we both looked up and looked at each other and we we're like yeah and it was I, I can't put i don't know it was just it was great it was and we're we're looking f- looking forward to that same excitement for our next one. All right, on the on the worst on the other side of things is, uh, for those who don't know, I did all the rehab myself. Um, everything went everything. It, it was it was tough. Um, so we we took out a bath and put in a walk in uh, a walk in shower, which required a lot of plumbing. Which I thought I was the best plumber out there, but I guess not. <laughs> oh god and um so what our decision we were doing airbnb so our decision was to do a soft a soft what is it a soft open a soft open with our friends that would stay there they're coming on a friday this was a wednesday all fin- finished up everything turn on the water the the stinking the the shower does not drain it just starts i'm like oh what what did i do and we had friends coming in. I, the first thing that came to mind is like, I'm gonna have to rip out this 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 uh, Kirby this 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 Kirby walk-in shower thing. I spent six hundred bucks on all this tile. We spent countless of hours on our summer do, uh, doing and putting in. And I I didn't know what to say, but luckily I took photos of every single thing I did throughout the process. Mm. And so I was able to go go through that and notice that I put in a P trap when there's already a P trap in there. So it created a void and it wouldn't, 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 um, it wouldn't drain. Then I gave in to Allison and she's, and cause I want to do it myself. She's like on the, on the lighter side, she said, Ben, don't, you're not, she, she said, Ben, you're not doing this. We're hiring out. I'm like, okay, I guess we're hired. So that's the one thing I hired out was the plumbing and we still have a hole in our, uh, in our, um, everything worked out. They fixed it. Um, but we still have a hole and we had to go up through our kitchen to get, cause it's on the second level. We had to go up through our kitchen, uh, to locate where that, that P trap was and cut it out. And, uh, I still need to repaint that. 
<laughs> I'll get to it any any day. But in the big picture, that and that's this minor speed bump, minor speed bump in the big picture of things. Oh yeah, I I listened to a podcast the other day, and there's a quote that stuck with me. It says, "Wealth is not built through a single property. Property, it's built through a portfolio." So don't look at the big picture. This is just a base hit. Multiple base hits have you win the game. And that's what this is, just a small thing. And when I look back at the time, it was the worst thing in the world. I thought it was boohoo me. It was the worst thing. It was terrible. But now I like, oh, it figured it out. You that's the great thing about human beings is is we're put in situations, we're not given the answers, but if we just start chipping away at little attainable goals, we can figure it out. The end. <laughs> uh, Justin, do you have anything? Let's see. On this first deal, I think the biggest thing I learned was having a good team behind you. Um, people with experience who you can kind of bounce ideas off and, you know, like you people that you trust, right? Like when I had a, questions about things, I would go to Walker, Walker would go to Chris and Preston, and they would all, you know, do a conference call with me. It would make me feel comfortable about the decision I was making. Cause I, I feel like with the first deal, like you're not going to know that much. I mean, you can only yeah. learn so much from going to bigger pockets and doing yeah. webinars and all that. You just have to, you have to get the deal. You have to get out there. You have to do it. You have to learn through trial and error. Right. So having people who have done that trial and error is good to have those people behind you. So that way you can make the best decision that you can make with the information that you have. Well said, uh, Patrick, what about you? Yeah. I mean, Still kind of in the same spot as Justin. First property, so don't. Luckily, right now, don't have any uh, bad stories. Kind of like Austin did when he came in, and there was an issue with his wiring under his uh, sink or whatever. I am now, though. Now that the house is empty, I, I walked through it yesterday with the, the seller who was maintaining occupancy uh, twelve days after closing. Um, you know, when we walked it with the inspector. The basement's totally finished, like totally finished. Um, so there is some issue in that, in that the inspector can only do so much to determine structural damage or structural issues because all the concrete walls in the basement are covered up. Yeah. Um, you know, there could be some shoddy drywall work, which is what there appeared to be overhead in the laundry room. Um, it was right on a seam, a tape joint. So it started pulling apart. Um, and, you know, it's like, whatever, but the current tenant when the inspection was done had all of their stuff in the house still. So closets underneath the stairs in the basement and certain rooms that just had stuff in it. So you couldn't really give like a full detailed, you know, perspective uh, or, or opinion rather um, of the structural, you know, he thought it was good. Now that everything's out, I'm like, I just peeked around in some crevices. I'm seeing more cracks in the drywall and I'm, I'm kind of hoping, Oh man, I hope I didn't get myself into trouble here, but you know, Kind of like uh, what Justin said is just, you know, reaching out. Um, you know, I had a friend tell me, the one in San Antonio who's doing the flips and stuff, he's like, man, get on bigger pockets uh, and start networking. And really, you know, I like to keep to myself, but I can talk. It's not an issue. So what I did was I got on bigger pockets and I just went to the Denver metro area and started looking for people in the area. I reached out to Ashley, who ended up becoming the, you know, the agent and how I met with 
Chris and all you guys basically. Um, and luckily, you know, it turned out to be a great experience. I would recommend the team to anyone. Um, but that all started by me reaching out on bigger pockets and it wasn't the home run the first time I reached out to a couple of different people who didn't have my best interest or the investor focused interest at heart. Uh, you know, and you can kind of tell that pretty quickly if you're, um, attuned to, to talking and dealing with people on a regular basis. And, um, and kind of giving a, getting a read on people because I, I talked to a few real estate agents who it was just straight down to business. They didn't care about anything else. It was, yo, you need to go do this and that, and then come back and talk to me where, you know, I got a better feel for, you know, Ashley talked to me for like 30 minutes before we even started talking in real estate and, um, you know, kind of getting that comfortability with your team and then, um, just kind of trusting the process. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, just having all of your, specifics in front of you and, and, and following those, um, what, you know, kind of sticks with me throughout this process and, and, you know, likewise moving forward is having a property to cash flow is better than having no property to cash flow. Um, and, you know, especially living in an apartment that pay, you know, I pay with utilities, you know, over 1700 bucks with, you know, and internet and stuff. Um, it's like, well, if I can afford a property here and I only get one person to rent out a room, I've still reduced my rent. I'm still actually cash flowing, maybe not, you know, you know, in the green cash flowing on the property, but like I've reduced my expenses and you know, I'm, I'm actually saving more money than I was before. And so, you know, getting into a property is probably more important than sitting around and overthinking everything too much. So, yeah. And, and and that's a it's that's a great point. And you and when you run the numbers, it's always like it's it's a different way to look at it, but it's a good way to look at it. And, and it's usually a pleasant surprise. Like, like hey, I'm paying all this rent, man. Even if I have one roommate, yeah, I'm still paying you know mortgage or you know, but still cheap in my rent while I'm owning an appreciating asset. Like it just exactly. makes so much sense. And like that's where it's like, especially if you use a lot of bigger pockets. Oh, you got a cash flow for this much. You do a one percent rule. Uh, of course, we all like to, uh, but it's just very hard to do. And that's where you can, you know, kind of like lose out in the big picture by getting focused on a couple like very short term arbitrary metrics. So, guys, this was fantastic. Um, ben, great job organizing this, man. Thank this, you. This was this was great. And it's going right to be uh, uh, I'm looking forward to one day when we can all be in the studio together and hang out to be a, a lot more fun, a lot better that way. Uh, but everyone. Patrick, Justin, thank you guys. Ben, Jeff, thank you. And so we'll be doing these House Hack Masterminds. I think every month is a plan and everyone's contact details will be in the show notes. So you know, reach out to me, uh, Jeff, Ben, Patrick, Justin. This is just a great way to network. Like that is the name of the game right now with this, especially since we're so limited during COVID. But a big reason we want to start doing this was to do some virtual networking. And this is one of the best ways to do it right now since we're often you know, at home and isolate behind our, behind our computers and iPhones. Uh, so please reach out to any of us, love to network, and we'll just kind of keep building this community here and helping people reach their goals. So everyone, thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Thanks, thanks Chris. Appreciate yeah. the invite. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you.